As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, welcome back, Happy Trout. <laughs> it's me, Happy Trout. I'm just kidding, but no. seriously, welcome back. To our new friend, Happy Trout. <laughs> yes, and thank you for uh, responding to our latest episode and not condemning us for uh, <laughs> the for things laughing. we said, but yeah. also appreciating our um, viciousness and also um, our hilarity hilarity for all the things we said. Uh, th- those are the types of, of listeners we want. <laughs> yeah. And I just wanted to uh, clarify, we, we like Happy Trout. Nicolina and I are fans of Happy Trout. It's Cody that doesn't like Happy Trout. <laughs> I'm just joking. I don't think Cody's capable of disliking anyone. I'm totally really. kidding. I'm he was the one kidding. who was like, "No, I love it. I love. I, I know, love it." Controversy. <laughs> That's so the funny. Libra in him. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we're but seriously, here. Yeah. yeah, hometown hot episode. I've got some like pretty lengthy reddit submitted stories and i'm pretty excited about them well i'm glad you have lengthy ones because i've got a tiny one not tiny a small one and then a medium one okay well it'll be good yeah we'll have a good time um (laughs) we always do do. it's your you go first because you went first last yeah episode yeah okay okay so let's get him on the horn here (laughs) okay So this is from Beach House Money, and I want that. Um, (laughs) Same. I got that. (laughs) Selkirk off the water. Hey, man. House Money. Hey, man, you still have a second abode, which is more than than many people. Yeah, barely an abode, but okay. (laughs) Still. Okay. So I was three years old and distinctly remember waking to see an elderly man, a stranger, sitting on my bed. It was so vivid. Uh, 37 years later, I can still remember in detail how bright the sun shone through the white gauze curtains, 
being wide awake and clutching my pink braided bedspread up to my chin, just gazing up at this man who was looking down at me and smiling. He had a big, beautiful, and kind smile. I remember his blue eyes and thinning white hair, the visible scalp, even the white sweater and gray slacks that he was wearing. He didn't say anything, just patted my knee through the bedspread. He looked delighted, and there were crinkles at the corners of his eyes. He looked like he had been telling me a bedtime story that I had interrupted. This is a a thought that I clearly remember, like I awoke to a bedtime story. I remember not feeling a bit scared. Truthfully, I was awed because I had never seen someone who looked like him. My family and I are Mexican-American, and we all have the typically associated dark hair and dark eyes olive skin combo. This man was just so white. Fair-skinned, snowy transparent hair, and those blue-blue eyes. It was like he was glowing even in my sunlit room. He looked down at me for a few more seconds, still smiling, and the next thing I knew, my mom had entered the room and he was gone. Of course, the first thing I did was ask her who the man was and where he went. I will never forget my mom's worried, panicked look when I asked her this. She ran out of the room, I guess to make a sweep of our small apartment, and then ran back in to ask many questions. I told her everything, and that was that. She calmed down, I got out of bed, and we had a normal day. Years later, as an adult, I asked my mom if she remembered me ever telling her about a nice man sitting next to me in bed. She was shocked that I recalled that morning, but then told me that based on my descriptions, she was convinced that her grandfather had paid me a visit from the beyond. Mm -hmm. He was from Spain and looked really white, she said, right down to the blue-blue eyes and thinning white hair. She said that he was always smiling, and yes, he did favor a sweater-slack combo. He passed away about 30 years before I was born. And that's cool. Beach House Money's story. Dope. Yeah. Just cool. a feel-good one to start the the yeah. episode off. Okay, mine my next mine is long and not feel good at all, so just okay. brace yourself. <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> so, this is from <laughs> Oh no. Testicles. <laughs> 620. Nice. Too bad it wasn't um, 420. That would have been even funnier. <laughs> yeah. And the title is My Experiences as a Crime Scene Cleaner. Oh, boy. Okay. Yep. Here Let's we go. go. Okay. <laughs> to start out, you need a little backstory to show how I got into this situation. When I got out of high school around tw- 2003, Finding a job was difficult, so I took whatever jobs I could to get by. When I found a job cleaning fire and water damage full-time, I was excited to have steady income and start saving. But this quickly turned into a nightmare that I had to endure for almost two years. The company I worked for put me on my first job, which was a water damage claim where a basement flooded with sewage. So after a few days of work, we finished and it was on to the next job. My boss then called me into his office the next morning and told me about a special crew that he was setting up and asked if I would be the crew leader supervising three other guys that were just hired. I found this strange as I had only been working there for a total of three days, but I figured my work ethic was already paying off and I would get a raise. I only made 10 an hour to start. Not only did I not get the raise, but I got no training in the new position other than a work van with cleaning material and the phone numbers of the three new guys 
that were also hired to do the fire water damage cleanup. The boss told me what tools were best to use and what cleaning products to use to sanitize along with where everything was located in the van with hazmat suits and respirators. But he was vague about what kind of things I would clean up. He just said, yeah, he just said the situations were always different and I would get detailed instructions each job. He called my position CSC crew leader. The boss Mm. told me that I would never have to see the deceased as the coroner would have the remains gone by the time my crew got there and to use my logic to determine what needed to be removed from the homes and what could be cleaned. The first job I had in my new position, which was which the boss told me about when I got to the office, was cleaning up the remains of an elderly man or woman who died in their house and had been laying in a chair. When we arrived, the coroner had me come inside to show me a few things that were considered hazardous material and needed to be removed due to the risk of disease. I guess my boss knew a few people from the county coroner's office and much of the work came from their recommendations. Not only was the deceased still in the house, but was fully visible to me and the other guy, and you could smell the rot through the mass as the house had no AC and this was mid-June. Okay. The coroner was backed up and waiting on additional people to show up to load the body as it was falling apart. And I call it the body because I honestly couldn't tell if it was a male or female and was trying not to look too long as it was disturbing. The other three guys I worked with handled it well but got too sick from the smell and had to go outside to puke. We all waited outside after the coroner showed us the chair the fluids that leaked into the carpet and the basement where the fluids went through the subfloor and puddled on some boxes in the basement. The coroner's support arrived and took the deceased out and me and the crew started working. After about five minutes, weird things started to happen. The first of which was when I began to disassemble the chair. I had removed the back of the chair and was putting it into the special hazmat bags that I was given and the base of the chair started to rock. When I was about 10 feet away, putting the bag with the back of the chair by the front door. Nobody else was in the same room as the other guys were in the basement dealing with moving boxes. I brushed it off and took apart the base of the chair as much as I could. And when I got it into the bag, I got a chill up my back and then began feeling sick. I just figured it was the shock of what I was cleaning hitting me and pushed on. Even though the chill was strange as I was very hot and in full hazmat suit in June. Next, I was removing the carpet and assessing the floor to see if it would be able to be cleaned or if I had to remove a section of the floor. So I called the boss to ask him and he told me to just pour the special cleaner on the area to soak into the floorboards and it would be fine. So I got it out of the truck where he said it was and brought it inside. When I got inside, all three of the guys in the basement were scrambling to get out of the basement, tripping over each other. And all three ran outside. When I asked them what was up, all three said there was someone in the cluttered basement and they assumed it was a homeless person or a junkie. Detroit has many issues with these kinds of things. Right. Um, I listened at one of the open windows to the basement. It's kind of the first thing we did when we started working was open any possible window, prop the doors open. So maybe someone got inside at that point or possibly before we got there and was hiding. Okay. After listening a few minutes and hearing nothing, me and another one of the workers went inside, armed with a mag light and a piece of metal fence post, and searched the basement. Nothing was down there but the footprints of the shoe covers we used, 
But then we started up the stairs. We heard a horrible hacking cough from someone in the basement. When we looked for it, there was nothing. But the corner of the basement had a bunch of dust stirred up like someone was moving things very recently that weirded us both out. Yeah, okay. We called the guys back in and they got back to the boxes, but all of them kept feeling like they were being touched while throwing away material from the boxes that had the fluids on them. Oh my God. I went back to my upstairs job and found the cleaner I put next to the floorboards was gone. I started getting frustrated as it was the only jug of this cleaner I had, and I clearly remember it being set next to the area before the guys ran up the stairs and my attention was redirected. I began to take out trash, figuring I would find it eventually, or the basement guys took it for their floor, and I found it on its side, behind the bag that had the back of the chair. This is impossible. There were like six other bags in front of this one near the front door. And this was a gallon bottle of cleaner. Again, I got a chill, but this one was brought on by what sounded like a whisper that I could not make out the words to. I cleaned the floorboards and moved out the trash. Job complete. That night, each member of my crew had a dream about an older man telling us that we are not welcome in his home touching his belongings and we needed to leave in my dream i was alone in his house the old man cried and told me i was destroying his things and he couldn't replace anything he was trying to push me out of his house but it was like i was ignoring him even when he would push me and scream at me no reaction from me he then threw my cleaner into the garbage pile i had made by the front door exactly where i found it Hmm. Two of the three guys in the crew told me their dreams about the old man pushing them as they went through the boxes of ruined pictures and other old stuff that need to be thrown out due to the risk of disease from his fluids. They also said it was like they had no control and were on autopilot. They said they were so sad but couldn't do anything. The thing that got me about the dreams of the other two guys was they both said the man was getting so upset that he began violently coughing and that the man kept grabbing their arms when they would touch boxes or throw things into the trash. Neither of those guys were in the house when me and the other guy heard the coughing from the basement. So they wouldn't have known about the Mm. coughing, yet they had the dreams. The dream with it. With the coughing in it. Mm -hmm. The guy that went into the basement with me said he had a dream, but all he remembered was waking up sad like he did something wrong and had a horrible coughing fit after his dream. Oh, shit. Which might just be a coincidence, but I connected it to my mind as relating to the other dreams. Mm -hmm. We all talked about it and came to the conclusion that we were all just having a reaction to a situation and it was nothing more than our brains coping with what we had to do. I'm very into psychology, so I rationalized it the best I could and we hope for better assignments the next day. Next few jobs are not so bad. Cleaning up blood at a home invasion, no casualty, but huge mess. Then there was a few other bloody crime scenes with casualties, but nothing notable happened. About two weeks into the job, we began to learn the tricks of the trade and were split into two different groups that I was responsible to manage as crew leader. So I would have to go to different sites if the other two guys had an issue or didn't know what to do. I thought I was getting used to the job as well as the other guys as we had no other experiences like the first job, but I was wrong. The next job that there was activity was a suicide of a man that was middle-aged. The coroner had already removed the body, but it was a mess. The guy had shot himself with what I think was a large caliber handgun or shotgun, 
as the spray was everywhere in the basement in like a second living room. There were skull fragments lodged into drywall, brain matter all over, and again, he was not found for a bit, so the smell was horrible. First step in cleaning this was using our backpack vacuum cleaner to suck up all the biomaterial. The coroner told us when we went in that he and his partner were extremely uneasy in the house and it felt strange and we immediately started getting a claustrophobic suffocating feeling when we went into the basement as well. To make matters worse, the family of the man had come over and were crying upstairs, but the vacuum noise helped to cancel that out. While I was cleaning, the power to the lights went out and it was completely pitch black. This was strange because my vacuum still had power. My crewmate started screaming at this point, so I turned off my vacuum and climbed off my ladder. I thought maybe he touched a wire to the lights, but when my vacuum unit was turned off, he was still screaming and I could hear things being knocked over. Oh my gosh. I started fumbling around for my flashlight on my tool belt and yelled for my friend asking what was going on, but all I got back was panic screaming. Then I saw in the pitch black something darker that was moving in my direction, and I will admit I freaked out. Yeah. I slipped trying to back up still looking in my belt for the flashlight and found it when my back hit the basement wall. I turned on the light aimed at the back blackest shape I have ever seen, and when the light turned on, I saw the shape of a man wearing a flannel shirt, beard, and an expression like he was about to attack me. Then it was just gone. My crewmate was behind where the entity was, sitting on the floor, rocking with his hands on his head. When I approached, he picked up his flashlight off the ground and turned it on, then ran up the stairs and outside and threw up. I followed behind him, asking if he was okay and why he was screaming. He told me that he was scrubbing the wall and felt something pulling on something in his tool belt, and he thought it was me. But when he turned around, the lights went out, and he was engulfed by what he said was the darkest smoke, and he immediately could not breathe and was struggling to move. Oh my gosh. He managed to pull his flashlight out, but it was knocked out of his hand like his wrist was grabbed with force. Oh my God. And he managed to scream. When he screamed, Trinket started falling off an entertainment center that was about three feet to his side, and the black smoke moved back, but he was close to passing out from the exertion. Yeah. He also said he lost hearing and didn't know that any noise was coming out, so he basically didn't know if he was, like, screaming or not. He was just like panicked and trying to get anyone's attention but didn't hear himself screaming because he was so like overwhelmed okay um then stuff started falling off the shelves and he felt them landing on him which is why he had his hands on over his head when he turned around to look at him Uh and he was like rocking back and forth with his hands over his head because the trinkets were actually like falling he thought they were falling on him oh wow okay We took an early lunch where he just sat there, pale as ever, and didn't say much other than he said he breathed in that smoke and didn't feel right. I got him some Gatorade and his color started to come back. I never told him I saw a man when I turned on my light because we still needed to finish and I didn't want to put that in his head since he never mentioned seeing it. Mm -hmm. When we went back, the lights in the basement were all on again. Half the things that fell from the shelves were back on the entertainment center and the TV was on baseball. There was also a different smell in the room, similar to burnt hair. Hmm. My worker stayed a half an hour, got sick again, and went home for the day, leaving me alone to finish, which I didn't want to do, but had to, as the other guys had their own job. 
After cleaning up everything with my vacuum, I began scrubbing the old blood, which is hard after it congeals, mix in brain matter, and it is like glue, even with cleaner. While I was finishing up, I kept seeing the shape of a person always in the side of my vision. Each time I would smell that strange burnt hair scent, and a few times I also felt like a force was pulling at items on my belt. Not sure what item, as there were several things in my belt. When I finished the job, I went to use the bathroom upstairs, and in the hallway, along the way, I heard like a muffled crying or moaning. I froze up and stayed still, thinking maybe a family member had come back, and when I panned around, there was nothing. But I saw a picture on the wall of a man with a beard wearing a flannel. Several other pictures in the hallway of other scenarios of the same man, different flannels with deer or fish or family. I had not seen a picture of that man as I had not been anywhere else in the house with a bathroom, nor did I use the bathroom downstairs because pulling off the hazmat suit is a pain. As I was securing the house, closing all windows, locking doors, and shutting down every light but the front porch light, I saw the front curtain move and again saw the darker than black form in the front window. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There is another experience. So if you'd like me to go on, I can please do it. Okay. (laughs) Tell us more. (laughs) The last experience I will share in this thread happened mid-July in a very bad area in Detroit. There had been an incident where a guy supposedly tried to abduct a child, was stopped by people in the neighborhood who beat the man very bad, and he escaped to his house, where the neighborhood people quickly called police and civilians surrounded the man's house to prevent escape. The police response time in this area is horrible, and the people were throwing rocks through this man's window and damaged his car. The man was hurt bad by the mob and was hurt by a rock or glass and died in the home. 
From what the police officer told me, it was a misunderstanding and the man picked up a girl that was injured riding her bike and some kids that knew her told their parents that the man was kidnapping her and people overreacted and the man was brutally beaten. Oh my gosh. That's horrible. That's terrible. The cleanup was pretty simple to do. We secured windows, cleaned up blood and bodily fluid. But as soon as I entered the house, I just felt wave after wave of fear and sadness like I have never felt this before. And it hit in waves that made my legs weak. My working buddy who was there showed up late and didn't get the story from the cop like I did, but experienced the same feelings I had. The whole time we were there, we saw a form darting around corners like it was watching us, then hiding. It was similar to like a small bit of fog or mist. Jeez. We also heard very slight cries for help Ooh, coming from several areas no, in the house. Yeah. No, I don't like that. Okay. And also what sounded like please stop and long no a few times. Oh my God. Okay. The crowd came back and yelled at the house also. And when this was going on, the activity in the house increased and we could hear running footsteps go up and down the stairs, a door slam, and it sounded like the front door would open and close, but we never saw any of the doors move. Oh my God. The the path of the footsteps sounded like from the front door through the living room to the bathroom to stairs to the upstairs bungalow room. The part that really got me was I could feel the floor impacts that felt like the vibrations of someone running past me when I was cleaning the areas. And each time I would be hit by one of those waves of fear and sadness. When we left the house, there were a few people on the porches hanging out like as usual during summer. And the people were still hostile and yelling random things, but directed at us as we loaded the van and took off hazmat suits. Hmm. We ignored this, but before we had loaded all the material from the house into the van and locked the house, the front door slammed hard enough to sound like a gunshot, which scared me and my crew member, along with the people on the front porch, to the point that they all went inside. Oh my god. The front door deadbolt was somehow locked, and we could not get it open. I think it was a different key than the knob, so we ended up leaving several boards in the house that were left over from boarding a few of the windows. Okay. The feeling of relief when I left the house was like night and day. Inside, I was anxious, scared, paranoid, and just really down, which could be due to knowing the story. But when I got outside, it was like flipping a light switch. I immediately felt better, and me and the other guy in the crew were joking and laughing about dumb stuff and normal 19, 20-year-old shenanigans. I have many of these stories written down in detail in a journal I started after the first three years of working on this job. I talked to the guys on the cruise and got other strange stories from them too. I know that some of this could very well be formed by my subconscious mind to cope with traumatic situations, but some of it has no explanation and when I hear other members of my crew tell me their stories when they haven't been influenced by mine, that is a horse of a different color. Yeah, for sure. Uh, When I have time, I will pull out the journal and give more of my experiences. The job got way worse when I started the journal after three months in. Several experiences with what I think was paranormal, many situations that stressed my mental state to the point where my mask of sanity started to slip. In the end, I worked at this place for almost two years, and of my crew, all died, two from suicides, one from drug overdose that that could have been intentional, but we never know. Oh my god. I just know that when these three guys my age, around 19 and 20, started this job, all were normal, well-adjusted guys with no cares in the world other than girls, parties, and working. 
I watched each one of them slowly drain their joys and passion for life, and I know this sounds bad, but each one that died was considerate enough to die in a clean way. Right. Most likely so another person wouldn't have to see the horrible thing that we all saw so often. Right. Um, geez. I mean, a job like that will definitely fuck with your mental health if you're there long enough. Like, I mean... I can't like even one one cleanup scene like you I would imagine that these well probably not but definitely not in the states but I was gonna say like I would imagine that they would have like access to mental health resources but I mean probably not at that time no probably like in, not in 2003 yeah probably but, not but yeah you would think now they probably would my god um but yeah those were pretty I mean, insane. Makes- so this guy was apparently on a podcast telling his stories as well. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. Well, so if he ever wants to come on ours, he's welcome. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, obviously, just the energy in those places would be horrible um, enough to, I think, stir some things up just on their own. Anyway, but for geez. sure. Yeah. Okay. I've got another. So this one, just like a normal paranormal um, story, mm-hmm. uh, a vacation one. So okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know what to think about it, but here it goes. Around eight years ago, I was on vacation with my parents and my cousin. My sister couldn't come as she had just started her first job, so she stayed home by herself. When we were children, both my sister and I, we used to be very close, mainly because we shared a room for my first seven or nine years of life. We used to have uh, a code that we would communicate with with taps for asking things like, are you asleep? Stuff like that. Mm -hmm. She is also always doing something or looking for something to do, always being the first up. So when she was up and wanted me to wake up, she would place her face as close to mine as possible and stare at me. Oh, my God. I would kill. I would kill my sister. I would kill, too. (laughs) I don't know for how long she would stay like this, but I can clearly remember multiple times waking up to her doing this. I, of course, would shout or at least panic until realizing it was her. I guess it was fun for her, and I have to admit I did it back to her a few times. So anyway, now we're on our trip. It's been at least 10 or 12 years since the last time my sister pulled this prank on me. My sister and I weren't as close as aren't as close as we used to be. We have certainly grown a little bit apart, but we still love each other. It was the last night on our trip before heading back to our city, and we had just found this nice hotel close to the pyramids in Palenque, which is in Mexico. I just googled it. (laughs) Uh, Which meant no cell phone service. We were sharing a room. My mom and dad were in the first bed and my cousin and I were in the other one. At some point around 4 a.m., I woke up to the same old sensation that someone was staring at me. So I opened my eyes and I could clearly see a face. My immediate reaction was to shout, waking up my mother. I have to say that this sensation by itself was really scary, but years of the experience of my sister waking me up like this took the threat away so despite of my shouting I wasn't scared she like I was just surprised but it was too familiar my mom turned on the light and asked me what happened I told her that I was pretty sure my sister had just woken me up I knew it didn't make sense but I felt like it was her but I didn't see her face I just saw a face and then it disappeared immediately 
My mom is really superstitious, so she couldn't fall asleep after that because she thought something was odd and I couldn't sleep because I was thinking of my sister. Later that day, the next morning, we noticed that we all had lots of missed calls. My sister was involved in a really bad car accident, and luckily she only had minor injuries. To this day, I don't know what to make out of the experience. My brain tells me that it was just a coincidence. On the other hand, it's the only way I would have thought of my sister sleeping. It was just so real, like so between both of us. As an extra on our previous visit to Palenque, my parents, my sister and I, at the ruins, so there are these ruins in this, it's an ancient city, Mm -hmm. um, we could hear some drums. My parents said that it was raining and we were playing with the pond, at the pond, and at some point the drums started playing. Our curiosity made us follow the sound and it was getting us deeper and deeper into the jungle. I can't remember why we stopped, but when we finally made it to the exit and asked the security guy about the music, he said, oh, so you heard the drums as well? He then proceeded to tell us that a lot of people had heard them at different times and they don't know what the source is. Mm. And then somebody wrote back, the drums are Jumanji for sure. Oh, okay. (laughs) But somebody else also also wrote back and said, I lived near Palenque for a couple of years and I visited the ruins many times. I can confirm the part about the drums. In my personal experience, the drums got louder or clearer the closer I got to Pakal's tomb slash headquarters. So an ancient tomb there. Yeah. I got this uneasy feeling of being watched and I went outside to catch some air. It wasn't creepy, but it felt very out of place. As soon as I stepped through the doorway, all the drums ceased. I still remember that feeling as if it were yesterday. And that's cool. So like with her sister, I feel (laughs) she, I mean, I feel like twins have this a lot where Mm -hmm. they have like this really deep intuitive feeling with their twin. Yeah. Um, But I guess it's possible to also have the same thing with a sibling. Of course if close, it is. If you're that close. Yeah. Um, so I feel like it was almost like her intuition kicked in and there was like, she like knew something was wrong yeah. or something along those lines. Yeah. It could definitely have been intuition. It could have been like a family member from beyond. Like yeah. Like telling her, her know there's something off. Like right? some, you should check in with your sister. And like using something. something that would make her think yeah. of her sister right yes so yeah, yeah, who yeah. knows but mm-hmm. just fucking creepy either way For sure. very creepy okay um this is my story it's not as long as the last one so um, okay yeah so this is by wispified um and it's called our bizarre experiences with the forest behind our house eventually forced us to move out I was eight years old when we first moved into the house on the edge of the forest. My parents had their doubts about buying a house with a backyard bordered by forest. They had concerns about concerns about wild animals getting into our bins or hurting, hurting our dogs and were worried one of us might go too far into the trees and get lost. But it was cheap. My dad liked the seclusion. My mom loved the house itself. And my siblings and I were excited about playing in the backyard and exploring the forest. Mm-hmm. Our first sign that something wasn't right was that our dogs were absolutely terrified of the forest. They never went into the forest for any reason. If a toy they'd been playing with found its way past the tree line, they would refuse to retrieve it. And when one of us went in there, they would pace anxiously until we returned. 
On occasion, we'd notice the dog staring at a spot in the forest in obvious distress, sometimes growling or barking, but we could never see anything there. My brother once carried one of the dogs into the trees to show her there was nothing scary about it, but she wiggled out of his grip and sprinted into the house in a panic. If we were in the backyard when it was getting dark, we sometimes heard noises like someone was walking through the forest, sticks crunching underfoot, branches being pushed aside. If we called out, there was no response, but if we shined a flashlight around, we would occasionally catch a glimpse for just a split second of something that we could swear looked like a person walking around in the dark. My parents quickly banned us from entering the forest at all after dark, and even during the day, we weren't allowed to go out of sight of the house. My sister's bedroom window looked out at the backyard and the forest beyond, and she remembers looking out of her window one night and seeing a shadowy figure standing right at the end of the backyard. She says there was something wrong with it, like it wasn't quite standing on the ground, and it was a little Mm. too tall to be a person, and it was sort of distorted. I don't like that. Yeah, and she was convinced it was staring at her. She called for our dad, saying there was a man in the yard staring through her window, and when he ran outside to chase off whoever it was, she continued to watch the figure. It didn't move away, but when the light from our dad's flashlight passed over it, it suddenly just wasn't there anymore. We regularly heard knocking at the back of our door at night with no one there. Our parents thought it was teenagers playing pranks and stopped bothering even opening the door until one rainy night when the knocking was persistent and agitated. My mom pointed out there might be someone needing shelter from the heavy rain outside, but when she opened the door, not only was there no one there, but there was no wet footprints on the, on the porch. The knocking continued the whole time we lived there. It would happen several times in the span of a few weeks, then stop for months, then start up again. Oof. My parents eventually installed a security camera, and there was never anyone at the door. So just knocking and no one there. Right. The camera wasn't all useless, though. After three years into living there, my brother started having night terrors and sleepwalking. When he went sleepwalking, he would always go out the back door and start walking towards the forest. My mom, being a light sleeper, would hear the door open and would run out to get him before he made it into the forest. After the third or fourth time it happened, my brother asked to see the camera footage because he wanted to see how he looked when he was sleepwalking, I guess thinking it'd look funny. The footage showed him walking out into the porch, then pausing as if listening to something, and shaking his head, then reluctantly walking forward as if being pulled or forcefully guided by something. One evening, my dad was in the backyard, and he heard my sister calling him from the forest, seemingly in distress, thinking she'd gone exploring in the forest and had fallen over and hurt hurt herself. He ran in and started calling out to her, but quickly realized it was too dark to see her, and he couldn't pinpoint where her voice was coming from. He told her to wait where she was while he grabbed a flashlight. When he ran back into the house for the flashlight, he saw my sister inside, safe and completely unconcerned. Okay. Mm-hmm. At the time, my dad hadn't told us about hearing my, my sister's voice in the forest, so when I heard my mom's voice coming from the forest months later, while I was outside with the dogs one evening, I didn't question it, despite the fact I'd seen my mom inside recently and hadn't noticed her walk past me. 
My mom was calling to me saying she'd gotten her sweater caught in some branches and needed me to come in and help her. As I walked in, the dog started barking, alerting my dad, who saw me through the window wandering into the forest. He came outside and called to me and I said I was just helping mom. He yelled back that mom was inside and I needed to run back to the house as fast as I could, which I did. After this, my parents had a fence built around the backyard and started looking for a new place. Oh my God. In the time between the fence being built and us moving out, it got way worse. We'd hear knocking at the door more regularly as well as tapping on the windows as if someone was walking the perimeter of the house and trying every window. We would often hear scratching and scraping sounds on the fence and voices beyond it. My brother's night terrors got more frequent and one night my mom didn't hear the door open when he went sleepwalking and he woke up standing at the fence staring into the forest with the dogs barking at him. The last morning we spent there, less than four years after we moved in, we woke up to find the back door fully open and the security camera footage showed it slowly swing open on its own. Since moving out, my brother's sleepwalking has stopped, though he still gets night terrors and he suffers from pretty severe anxiety. A few nights ago, he called me out of the blue and after a bit of small talk, he asked me if I think the door being open that final night means whatever was out there finally got in. He was trying to make light of it, saying he was getting into the spirit of Halloween, joking about how maybe we should all get exercise just in case something latched onto us all those years ago. Oh my gosh. But I think he's deeply bothered by everything that happened. I know I still am. I still get nervous around dark wooded areas. I didn't know what I think was out there in the forest behind our house at night, but I get the feeling that given the chance, it would have swallowed us whole. Jeez. My God shit yeah no thanks yeah that's pretty fucked up i'd be leaving (laughs) i'm all for country living but i want like wide open fields (laughs) like yeah like like, no no forest backing into a forest like i just want to see farmland or something yeah i'm good with wide like the plains (laughs) Mm -hmm. but like kudos to the parents too like i mean I thought they were there for like 20 years before they were like hey maybe this is something we should not like four years okay yeah Obviously, they were just like, this is too much. Yeah, this like, is not okay anymore. No. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so scary. Yeah. So, Ooh. anyway, good stories from those yeah. Redditors. Thanks, Reddit. Yeah. And, yeah, like, that's just another episode of Paranormal and Hometown Haunts. So. Yeah. We hope you guys show just <laughs> stay spooky. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Apparently. bye. Goodbye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar! As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.